Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. All right, uh, yo, this week we, uh, we dropped an episode on Monday with our guest, Danny, who uh, had a traumatic brain injury. She had a post-concussion syndrome and, you know, bad accident, led to PTSD. Really lovely guest, really lovely conversation. Um, but we got, a, we got a really nice letter, a kind letter from a listener that, uh, that had a comment to make based on that episode. Um, this is from Kathleen. <clears throat> Uh, she says, hello guys. I just listened to the Tinder date episode and felt compelled to write so many things that were discussed resonate with me as I'm currently still dealing with the effects of a not so serious concussion in quotes, uh, 11 months after the fact, Mm. my concussion resulted from fainting and hitting my head. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, I suffer from something called vasovagal syncope which just means I faint. I experience certain tri- if I experience certain triggers, sight of blood, extreme stress, etc. Good thing this isn't one of my friends because I'd be doing CPR a lot. Oh man, you would have you would have broke every rib in Kathleen's body if you were with her this <laughs> night. Uh, prior to the concussion, I was a healthy, active individual working as a college professor. After a particularly stressful mid-January 2021, I woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and never quite made it back to my bed. I fainted falling backwards and hitting my head on the tile floor. I had no idea how long I was out, but when I came to, I crawled to my bed and fell back asleep. In the morning, I called telehealth to see if I should go into the ER, what with the pandemic and all. And they advised that I go. After a quick neuro exam, the ER doc told me that a CT scan was not necessary. Not likely a brain bleed because I had not thrown up and was not sensitive to light, that I should take two days off work, and stay off screens. I went back to work four days later, which consisted of fully online teaching in a college environment because of the pandemic. So that's eight to 10 hours on screen every day. And no, I'm not Louise. (laughs) I suffered through, uh, that's a nice little callback joke there, Kathleen. I suffered through it for two weeks and was in such a state daily, nausea, headaches, dizziness, that I finally called my GP to get her take. She freaked out that the ER doctor had not given me a, the, quote, step back concussion protocol and immediately ordered me off work and away from all screens for two weeks before reassessing. She advised that the longer I suffered symptoms, the more likely it would be that they might become permanent. Anything that required cognitive load was considered an activity, and I was not allowed to do more than one activity a day until I had conquered conquered it without triggering concussion symptoms. So walking was one activity. 
walking and talking or listening to music or a podcast equals two activities. Whoa. Other typical activities of daily living that were now considered activities, driving, reading, cooking, exercising. So try to imagine. Life. That's why, um, like anything. Have you guys, did we talk about that on the podcast where we were um, about if you're going to watch a show or a movie after you've had a concussion? That it should be a rerun or something that yes, you've seen already. That's oh, right. So you don't have to and share his brain. Doesn't have to it. think yeah. so much. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, try to imagine no screens at the height of the pandemic while in lockdown. I live in Ontario, which was in lockdown for months on end during that time. Man. I embarked on physiotherapy and mindfulness practice and went stir crazy trying to fill my days. I have two settings on and off. So sitting and laying around was not good for me. I did not return to work until the end of March, part-time, and could not return to teaching yet. I had to purchase an expensive pair of blue blocker glasses made and made it through April to June, full-time, managing a wide range of administrative things, and then was off for the summer, a great rest period for my brain. In the fall, we were still primarily online for all teaching, but I had been feeling great and doing well. After four weeks of being back online all day, every day, symptoms came back. I tried to suck it up, but by the six-week mark, I had concussion symptoms all day, every day, for a solid week. So back to the GP I went, and back off work. This was an incredible blow to my mental health and well-being. I love my job, and was crushed to abandon my students midterm. Oh man, that's so, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm still off and hoping to return in January when we are supposed to be back to cl- classroom for all teaching bearing any more shutdowns. Psych, Omicron. Yeah, yeah, look out. Uh, I saw a neuro- neurologist at the beginning of December and have undergone an MRI. As I wait for results and think about what comes next, I can't believe what a ripple effect that night had on my entire life. Yeah. With so all simple. of the attention that concussions have had, I cannot believe that doctors, especially ER docs, aren't better educated on advising patients. I often wondered what might have happened if I had contacted my GP sooner and had not gone back to work for two weeks following the concussion. I feel for your guest and wish her all the best as she con- continues her recovery. Keep doing what you're doing. It's so important. Kathleen, OG listener. P.S. Congratulations on the Movember campaign results. Thank you. P.P.S. Congrats on the baby news, Taylor. You're welcome. Yeah, that's brutal, man. Like, you know. And also, just like such a bummer that uh, that you went to the ER and like the ball was clearly just totally dropped, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in, this isn't like a defense of, of not properly advising somebody on, on what to do, but I think probably where the, where the, where the, uh, where the shortfall is, is probably ER docs. I'm making a pretty big assumption here, but that ER docs are really, are really thinking about like your immediate, like acute, like what you should do, like right now, like, Right. right. Now. Yeah. Right, now. right. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not the case at all. And maybe this is a total fault of the ER, ER doc. And, you know, most ER docs would say that's crazy that, that, they, that they but, didn't. But even you, then, but- even then, like if the ER, if the, if that is what their job is, right, which I'm assuming that that's a pretty good, a, a pretty good assumption that that's like where their head is at. Even to have the, the wherewithal to say, however, Follow up with your GP. you might want to go see, yeah, go see a GP, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because they might have something else to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, all from hitting your, like, dude, hitting your head. It, there's no, 
there is there just is no um there is no what am I trying to liken it to? Like there's just no there's no um like definitive scale for it. It's like mm-hmm. it's something like a small hit of the head can have this drastic impact and then you could I mean, fuck, dude, when I think about some of the times that I got hit playing hockey or hit people at like warp speed yeah. and never had issues. Like, how do you mm-hmm. like how do you how does that happen? You know, Sherry walks into a fucking wall when yeah. she's looking at her phone. Yeah. And you know, how much how much worse have other people hit their head and not yeah, had no, oh, dude? I mean, else. every weekend we were just saying this before the show, like we're in here pretty much every weekend at the studio watching UFC. That's and like, I, you see that shit all the fucking time yeah. on that. I think I figured it out. I think oh, okay. I think Perfect. it's uh I think maybe the harder you hit your head, actually the more fine you'll be. Maybe there's just like a sweet spot, you know, where right. you you just hit it right. at the perfect amount that that's or what just non, gives you the you most the debilitating yeah. My, my sister when she was uh <laughs> when might, she was might be honest on there, bro. <laughs> when she was like like 4, like 5, when she would have temper tantrums, she was such a little fucking witch. When she would have temper tantrums, <laughs> temper tantrums, she would she, she wasn't getting her way. And what she would do, it doesn't matter if she's in a parking lot, doesn't matter if she's in the playroom, doesn't matter, doesn't fucking matter on a on a set of stairs, doesn't matter. She would she would go she would get to a limit, and then she would go all right, not get my way, and she would go like like push into her head, and then and then just hold her arms out and fall back onto her head. No. <laughs> and, and yeah. And, no. Yes. And one oh time, God. one time she did it and landed, you know, those floor, like those floor base heaters. Yeah. 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 She landed on yeah, the like corner the ones? Of oh. one of those. Yeah. Those and, are rough and split her fucking head open. Yeah. You know why? You know why? You know why she probably ended up developing that is because she probably did it once and it worked. And then she realized how much, how much, and this is so crazy how children can realize this. Euphoria. How much, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much? Oh, that felt so good. How much their parents don't want them to do that thing? Yes. So yeah. they go, if I threaten to do it, I'll get my way because what I will do if they don't <laughs> let me have my way, crazy they w- they want that. They want to avoid that at all costs. Like me as a child hitting my head, not knowing that hitting your head is like they're just going. I know they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're honestly kind of like an- they're kind of like wild animals. <laughs> they to, are. Uh, truly, to train a kid. Truly, yeah. <laughs> hey, Brian, remember, uh, remember when, dude? This is funny. I don't know if we've ever talked about this in the podcast. I think That's people not, are going to think that we're like the, we shouldn't. People are going to think we're the <laughs> dumbest fucking people in the world. Uh, It'll be they validated. already do, dude. <laughs> no, this is going to take it to another this level. Is, then <laughs> this is going to validate it. And uh, <laughs> and this is so weird that you developed into this rib cracking CPR monster. Um, Felt bad remember, for all the work. Do you remember when we were in junior high and we used to, not even junior high, I think we were in fucking elementary school, or at least I was, um, and we used to push on each other's chests to make each other pass out? Oh, so dude. I remember e- that. that yeah. Did you do Everyone that? Everyone did that. You did that yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was like, um, that, I think, I, honestly, Is that a phase? That, that's a phase that I think every teen, teenage, young teenage boy goes through. We, we didn't do the chest thing, but what we did was we would stand in front of our buddy and then a buddy would take their hands and and push on the sides of the neck to cut off any circulation to the. <laughs> I think that one. I think that one might be better than the than the chest one. Yeah, the chest one sounds. The ch- do you know how to do the chest one? No, I no. So you bend over. Listen up. You, listen closely. Listen everybody. up, kids. 
We should maybe cut this though because we should not be putting instructional videos. But it basically, videos without without giving, pass your friends out. They're giving the, the the specific details. Basically, one person bends over and then hyperventilates, like breathes really heavy, and then they stand up against the wall, and then you just press on their chest, and they just go. So you know what this is? And then this is this is kids out. experimenting with like psychedelics for the first time. Yeah, yeah, kind essentially. Of. Yeah, you know, because I remember because yeah. we because I would pass out, I would pass out, and then I'd wake up. And I'd wake up and my mouth and my eyes would be wide open. I'd be like this. But I wouldn't be able to move yet, but I could start to see. And yeah, like I just yeah. Brian and Dennis ha- hanging over me. We probably did that. I don't know. I probably did that upwards of like 10 times. You yeah, know what I would too. actually yeah. like? How fucking dumb is the that? The worst part was it's that. It's, it's the same thing as, as G-locking. Right? Yeah. Like, so like, yeah. like, like, so astronauts um, uh, going, you know, go, go, or, or even fight, fighter pilots, like when they are hitting super intense g forces oftentimes uh they they if they don't do the proper techniques they'll pass out mm-hmm. and so like they'll be put in a centrifuge to practice those techniques and oh. you can watch these videos they're amazing these videos of guys that go into g lock which is like I, I guess the term for when you've hit a certain amount of g force that you lose consciousness mm-hmm. And one of the things that they that they say when you when you go through this this process of G lock, when you when you pass out to the moment when you awake, which is only literally it, it, when you watch these videos, it's a span of like, you know, they're passed out for like four seconds. As they're coming to, you can see how disoriented they are. But apparently, what's happening? Yeah, because they're also flying a fucking plane. They're like, whoa! Well, well, or or they're in, or they're, they're like, the if they're in the simulator, like, which this, also feels like they're flying. Yeah, a it feels plane. like. It. But they they're they are having these like vivid, realistic dreams of something completely different. Right, so like yeah. they're in a, they're you know they're, a hallucination. They're in a full a on trip. hallucination, a trip. Yeah, yeah. Man, that is crazy. So that like so essentially, these kids just so, like the, fucking trying to simulate that. the worst part though is when we would do this and the person's standing <laughs> so up and you're though. pushing against their chest and they're against a, a wall the wall they're standing but then when they when they faint they fall they go limp and yeah, right. you're then trying to hold a like 120 pound kid up when you're 120 pounds that's why i brought it up is because of the the letter of the the the, the person who wrote in saying i fainted and i hit my head on the tile yeah. floor and I'm, I'm like holy fuck dude we used to make each other pass out on purpose yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure we hit our heads on top of There was one time, Taylor, where Probably. you were at the top of like the stairs in I my house. I remember that. That's what I'm thinking and of. And you, we made you faint at the top of the stairs, which and I'm the, pretty sure which you... Is the dumbest. I'm pretty sure you woke up at the bottom of the stairs. Because <laughs> yeah. you were like, we were like, whoa, he slid down the wall. Oh, shit. And then like just slid you down By the, the stairs. By the way, everybody, we were like 12 years old. And this is the just, why we are the way that I mean, we are. I mean, you had one of two choices. It was that. It was making each other pass out, or all gathering around in a circle, jerking off and see who could come the quickest. Like those are the only two things that Whoa. you had to do. We it did wasn't, that it wasn't a choice. We just did both. Yeah. I only did the, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Different days of the week. Um, so speaking of astronauts, uh, this is fascinating. So uh, actually, you know, so uh, for folks who are kind of relatively new to the podcast, hey, welcome. <laughs> Uh, so sorry so sorry um we actually had an episode back in the day where we we um we had the 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 great fortune of meeting up with uh, astronaut colonel chris hadfield at his home office to have a conversation with him all about how space wreaks havoc on the human body um and actually i pulled a clip from uh that conversation is it 
is it the clip where I asked him if the moon landing was fake? No, no. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah. you can find this on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, we all do. The effects of uh, space on the body. Yeah. And it showed this little graph basically explaining how, like, the top half of an astronaut's body in space almost, like, bloats a tiny bit. Well, yeah, if um, we, uh, we draw blood regularly. I don't know if you ever looked at the big veins in your arm, but they've got, like, little one-way valves in them. Uh, that and, and the purpose of a lot of those is to keep the blood from going the other direction. Or once the blood gets far enough along in your body, it's got like these little check valves that keep it going. And if you think about it in your legs, how does your heart, which is way up here in your chest, squeeze the blood all the way up from your feet to your head? That's like some gigantic balloon. Right. And so you've got all these little systems that are their whole purpose is to try and, and milk the blood up to your head. And, and those work great on Earth because gravity's doing the opposite. It's yeah. trying to flush it down to your feet. As soon as you get to weightlessness, your body doesn't know it's there. So it's like going, boom, 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 working away, squeezing mm. the butt up to your head. But there's no gravity pushing it down to your right. feet. So your legs get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, and your head and your chest starts swelling up, and your cheeks puff up, and your sinuses fill up, and your tongue gets swollen. Is this a slow process, or is it is it almost kind of... Uh, immediate, like once you're uh, up there, it's it's sort of like uh, laying head down in a bed. Yeah, you know, okay. it's like it's not like completely standing on your head. But if you get in your bed and you, you raise the foot of the bed, you know, higher than normal, you'll feel after a while you're starting to get congested and, and you don't feel right because the blood is is more uh, collecting in your head than, than it would rather. And it, but the trouble in space is it's permanent. You're never getting anything to sling it back down to your feet, and so. Uh, what, what your body eventually does is it says, you know, there's too much blood in your head and your chest. And so it just decreases the amount of overall blood in your mm, body because yeah. you're not pooling as much in your legs. So you, uh, you just lose blood volume. Like, I forget the number, 15 or 20% of the blood volume. Whoa, okay. So you lose blood volume. And I've also heard that uh, your, bone, you can't, your bones deteriorate at a really fast rate. Is that... Well, uh, just just when we're talking blood volume, think about though. If you had twenty percent less blood, think what happens if you have a beer up there. Is there beer? On there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, there isn't. How, but we think about work? it. <laughs> it's just you got less blood. So, so uh, that the if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, that was actually uh, the the YouTube video which you can find on our channel is it's a three D camera, so you can actually um, three sixty camera. Or sorry, three sixty three hundred sixty degree camera, so you can. You can spin the camera around. That's what was happening there um, when I pulled that. But um, what what Chris Hadfield was talking about there has a little bit to do with um, this story that came out of the BBC uh, about a space sleeping bag that's that's meant to solve uh, astronauts' squashed eyeball disorder. Whoa. Okay. So well, scientists have developed a high tech sleeping bag that can prevent the vision problems that some astronauts experience while living in space. In zero gravity, fluids float into the head and squash the eyeballs over time. God damn, that sucks. Wait, it's, like squashes them, like pushes them Have like you ever have out? You, or yeah, I, th I think so. I, like, have you ever been upside down for just a little bit too long? And yeah. you know that feeling in your head that you yeah, get? Yeah, like, like the pressure. pressure? You yeah, get it when you do like headstands. If you you yeah. used to do mm -hmm. headstands a lot, like pressure that just that like pressure around your eyes right so this is this is regarded as one of the riskiest medical problems affecting astronauts with some ex experts concerned it could compromise missions to mars obviously because that would take a, a long time uh the sleeping bag what it does is it sucks fluid out of the head and towards the feet countering the pressure buildup 
Uh, its development was led by this man, Dr. Benjamin Levine, professor of internal medicine at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, who is working on having the device deployed on the ISS, which is where uh, Commander Hatfield, uh, he commanded the ISS, the International Space Station. Man, I immediately start to think of a sleeping bag that's like constricting you. It makes me think about how impossible it would be for me to fall asleep. And I know that we've talked about this on the podcast before that like I I have the ability to basically fall asleep anywhere. anywhere yeah. But one thing that I find really annoying when I'm laying in bed at night is if I like have my arms over my head and I'm just stretching as I'm about to fall asleep. I can't fall asleep until I put my arms by my side. If I'm laying on my side and my arm is like in a weird position, touching my leg in a weird way, I can't fall asleep that way. I have to move it back. As soon as I do that and get into that comfortable position, I can fall asleep right away. But it's so like the, when something's touching me in a weird way, I find it really hard to fall asleep. If I had a fucking sleeping bag sucking the fluid out of my head and throwing it into the rest of my body. Yeah. Well, but if the alternative was that you felt like your eyeballs were going to pop out, it would probably be might feel normal. relatively yeah. comfortable. Well, this Maybe. here's an image, uh, Bri. <laughs> this is the sleeping bag. So, so for folks who are just listening, um, it, it honestly looks <laughs> like a, uh, an iron lung. No, it doesn't dude. It looks like a fucking, you're being eaten by a centipede. Well, that's what an iron, I mean. An iron lung is that, except you're up to your neck. But here, here the uh, the astronaut is only covered from the from the hips down. Yeah, right. So, so the top of their body is is exposed and out, but this giant like hyperbolic chamber is wrapped around their waist and and you know what doing whatever the fuck inside there to their legs. So I feel like it, sleeping bag is a little bit of a misnomer. No, if, for <laughs> sure. If you had if you had a, a sleeping machine, yeah. both of those images on two pieces of paper and you started flipping back and forth between them, it would look like the sleeping bag thing is turning into the iron lung, but it's eating the person yeah, and it's slowly yeah, totally. moving up the body. So NASA's documented vision problems in more than half of the astronauts who served for at least 6 months on the ISS. Some became farsighted, um, had difficulty reading, and sometimes needed crewmates to assist in experiments. Quote, we don't know how bad the effects might be on a longer flight, like a two-year Mars operation, said Professor Levine, who is also director of the Institute for Exercise and Environmental Medicine, a collaboration between UT Southwestern and Texas Health pre uh, pre Presbyterian? Presbyterian. Oh, thanks. Guys, I have another hospital in Dallas. I have another question that <laughs> is, is this is this super dumb? Um, that was super dumb. <laughs> this is almost as dumb as that. Why why can't they simulate gravity on the International Space Station? Uh, I mean, it, how would question. you simulate gravity? I don't know. I mean, in in, in I'm, I'm not a fucking in, I'm not smart enough to be on the international in, in science space fiction. Right? It's it's usually done with some sort of gigantic centrifuge. Yeah, it's like something spinning. That's like, like if you if you watch um, uh, a classic scene from 2001: Space Odyssey, the guy jogging, and as he's jogging, he's jogging on a track that is a giant wheel, and so it's like this slow moving hamster wheel. It's always that. In, it's in, always in any in any sci fi movie that is depicting a. A, a ship that's on like a long-term voyage. Yeah. I think the reason it's always like that is because there is some kind of science to, to back that up. Like, like if we had the capability of doing this thing, it would look like this. That's what it was in the Martian as well. Yeah. yeah. I feel like maybe we're just stuck thinking inside the box then on this one. Maybe, maybe 
2001 A Space Odyssey is just like it, that is now sort of like that is creating this bias in, in our thoughts. That's right. That like it has to be done that way. When maybe really, we're just not. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, maybe it's we're some, some other way. Sorry, it might yeah. not have been The Martian. It might have been Interstellar. Or it might have been both. It, it's probably mm-hmm. both. Um, quote, it would be a disaster if astronauts had such severe impairments that they couldn't see what they were doing and it compromised the mission, obviously. In 2005, astronaut John Phillips launched to the ISS with 20-20 vision and came back six months later with his vision at 2100. Others experience a less severe version of the condition. Can you, is there a breakdown of, of what eyesight, what those numbers in eyesight, um, their vision... There, there is. I think um, 20, 2020, I believe, is a reference to a balance between how you see things close and how you see things it is. far. So if okay. you have 2100 vision, it means that you must be as close as 20 feet to see what a person with normal vision can see at 100 feet. So at 2020 oh, vision would be... You mean you, 20 slash 100. 20 slash 100, yes. Right. It's, yeah, so it's always, it's always 20 a number. Yeah. 2020, 2040, 2060... So if you have 2100, it means that you must be as close as 20 feet to the thing that you're looking at. And someone who has 2020 vision would be able to see what you're seeing mm. as far as 100 feet back. So that, that, that's 2100. That's yeah. So you have to be five times, five times closer. So if to you something. had 2040 vision, you would have to be 20 feet to see what somebody could see at. 40 feet. That's right. So you have to be yeah. twice as close. Dude, I feel like I just learned something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I know I just learned something. But then there's I, also in the other direction, there's a, there, I think there's a, there's a, there's something to say, yes, like how somebody would see something, uh, you'd have to be farther away. Sorry, say that again? Like the, the 2020, right. 2010 is saying, uh, like 2010 yes. is saying that you need to be standing at 20 feet in order to see what most people would be seeing at 10. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if you had 2010 so you, vision, so you're like, you've got really good vision. You have no, super vision. No, 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 you still no, have bad. No, you have bad vision in the opposite direction. You're, so you're, uh, 2020 is a balance of oh, really? nearsightedness to, to farsightedness. Okay. It's like you're seeing regular, you're seeing like typical, what the average person can see. It's a balance between being able to see near and far. That's Whereas great. somebody who's nearsighted needs to move, needs to move for, uh, Somebody who's nearsighted sees things better when they're no. closer. No, no. In the rare instances where vision may test better than normal on a Snellen chart, uh, or sorry, Snellen chart, a value of 2010 vision means that you can see clearly from a distance of 20 feet what a person with normal vision sees at a distance of 10. Yes. So you're, yeah. if you have 2010 vision, you are seeing, you're seeing, uh, you're, you're seeing supervision. Like you're seeing better than. Okay. Then that, the the best. But is you that know, only better than the typical? Is that only describing farsightedness, or or like how do you determine like what measurement determines whether you're somebody's near sighted? Well, let's or see if it says if you had ten twenty vision. This is I love that this is what this has turned into. Yeah. Your uh, your vision is weaker if it's ten twenty. So uh, in other words, um, uh, a value of so your vision is weaker in t- at ten twenty. But if it was twenty ten, it would be. But is it better. like fractions? Is ten twenty the same as twenty forty? So at ten twenty, you would be. <laughs> I think so. Holy oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Here. Um, what is it? What does it, well, it yeah, must it, say? We no? need it, to know. It, if you have, if you have if you have it, it doesn't say it. Ten twenty would be so. What I think is that ten twenty would mean that you would need to be standing ten feet away, looking at something, 
what someone at 20 feet could see. Right. So you need to be closer to see what someone at 20 feet could see. Right. So that's in the opposite direction. It's, yeah. it's, it's same as 2040. Talking about. Yeah. Pro- yeah. I, I would it, say it's a. You yeah, know well, what? I, mean, I don't know why anybody would go anywhere else for factual information on health. This is it that's, right here. That's this probably why they don't say 1020 because it's just stupid. Because that's actually redundant. 2040. Yeah. yeah. Sick Boy Podcast, where you get your <laughs> health advice. Uh, hey, don't remember. Don't <laughs> just completely. We'll just cut the whole bit about this. Yeah. <laughs> on, on Earth, uh, so on Earth, gravity pulls fluids down from the body each time we get out of bed. This is known as something called unloading. But totally in space, forgot we were talking about this. Yeah. But in space, the low gravity allows more than half of a gallon of body fluid to gather in the head, Ugh. applying pressure to the eyeball. It's funny because half I feel... Half a gallon? Dude, I, that's like two liters. That's a lot. I feel more qualified to speculate about eyesight than than how bo- the fluid is sucked from your body in <laughs> yeah. space. It can cause a condition called space flight associated neuroocular syndrome, also known as SANS. Of course. Uh, this in turn can lead to a progressive flattening at the back of the eyeball, swelling of the optic yeah. nerve, and vision impairment. Quote, the pressure in zero G is always lower than the pressure in one G, but it's not as low as when you're standing up. That's the problem. Normally, we spend one third of our time laying down at night and two thirds upright during the day. NASA astronauts can't stand up during flight. Uh, even though the brain pressure in a person laying down on Earth is slightly higher than in someone in space, Astronauts experience this pressure constantly and can never relieve it by shifting to an upright position. Dr. Levine explained, quote, they never get to unload the brain. So we asked, how can we reintroduce a gravitational gradient? The sleeping bag, developed with outdoor equipment manufacturer REI, fits around the person's waist, enclosing their lower body with a solid frame. A suction device that works on the same principle as a vacuum cleaner creates a pressure difference that draws fluids down towards the feet. This prevents it from building up in the brain and applying pressure, damaging pressure to the eyeballs. Several questions need to, be, need to be answered before the sleeping bag technology is used routinely, including the optimal amount of time astronauts should spend in the sleeping bag each day. Uh, Dr. Vleen explained, does everyone need to do this or is it just the people who are at risk of developing SANS? Do you need to do it as soon as you get into space or can you wait to see if your vision changes? So there's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different um, uh, questions still remaining. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, we're back. You were, you were looking at me and I was like, what? <laughs> uh, we are back. Uh, Donut just ate uh, some electronics. So we had to take a break there. Got that all sorted out. <laughs> God damn, dog. I love how the video is probably going to show. It's like now in hindsight, now that you know, you'll you'll maybe you'll rewind and look at me. <laughs> what the fuck is and happening? How with you? I was looking over at Brian, yeah. being like, "Oh my god, um, donuts, fucking munching on AirPods." Uh, well, anyway, uh, so those <laughs> sleeping bags. How about that? <laughs> That's something else. Uh, moving right along, uh, then. Um, were, when you were when you were looking at me, Taylor, I thought you were like because Jerry was talking about the sleeping bag sucking on the guy's lower body. I'm like, what do you have a thing about sucking toes or something? Yeah, what's like, going on here? What's I also was like, why is this so funny? <laughs> yeah. It threw me off. I was really confused. Oh fuck. Um, no, I'm sad. Well, <laughs> you know what, Brian? Here, this this will uh, this this won't cheer you up, but this this maybe this will help you with your sadness. Uh, do you guys know what white ribbon is? I actually didn't know what, no. what right, white ribbon was about. 
And I'm surprised that I didn't until reading this article. So white ribbon, uh, since 1991, men have worn white ribbons as a pledge to never commit, condone, or remain silent about all forms of gender-based violence and discrimination. Uh, Through education, awareness raising, outreach, technical assistance, capacity building, and partnerships, White Ribbon's programming challenges negative, outdated concepts of manhood and inspires men to understand and embrace the incredible potential they have to be a part of positive change. So White Ribbon has put together this very interesting project that, Brian, you sent my way uh, last week. Uh, White Ribbon is employing the universal language of music to challenge entrenched cultural norms about gender roles and male vulnerability in a new campaign. The campaign, which is called Uncompromised, is built around a piece of original orchestral music specifically designed by world-renowned producer Jared uh, Kemper, Canadian opera company music director, uh, Johannes Dubas, and several North American cognitive scientists to evoke strong emotions in their listener. Also, somebody send this to me. I'm going to find out who it is. Yeah, see who it was, because this is so fucking fascinating. So in an experiment, a number of men who expressed traditional beliefs about male vulnerability, namely that they should repress their emotions and deal with them privately, were then brought in to listen to the music performed live for them by a quintet in partnership with the Canadian Opera Company, and their emotional responses were recorded. It was Juice. Juice sent it to me. Thank you, Juice. Who's that? Um... The goal of the experiment was to discover just how deeply held those beliefs about emotional strength are and whether or not the organization could guide the participants to a new, healthier variation of masculinity through music. The men's journeys were recorded and now have been released in a cut-down, short documentary format. Quote, as a man, showing vulnerability isn't a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength, says Joseph uh, Bocchini, partner in ECD at creative agency Benson Byron, which helped to develop the campaign. Quote, blocking out all of those emotions society tells you to, that society tells you that you shouldn't feel or express as a man is destructive of your mental health. And of course, this is something we spoke to at length in our November episode with Dr. John Olive. Uh, they went on to say, quote, our goal is to ignite social change that, w- that promotes emotional literacy and helps uh, literacy and healthy masculinities, adds Humberto Car- Carollo, executive director of White Ribbon, which had made previous efforts the challenge in the ways men and boys express their emotions. Society has taught men to be strong and represent their, uh, repressing their emotions. It has heroized this version of mis- masculinity. Unco- uncomposed is, will start a c- conversation and encourage men and boys to acknowledge and express a range of complex emotions. Uh, So in 2021, survey commissioned by uh, White Ribbon shows the extent of the issue. Through 76, though 76% of North Americans believe boys and girls are taught differently how to express their emotions, and almost 150 million North Americans would feel relief if showing emotion was more widely accepted. At least 30 million of them have told their sons not to cry. Wow! Further, more than that, 81 million North American men say they're reluctant to cry out of fear they'll seem weak. 81 million men. And another 46% say they find it difficult to express their emotions to anyone aside from their immediate family and partner. 
The documentary video is only part of a longer campaign built around the, this piece of music, Bocini says, uh, noting that, quote, the goal f- is for this piece of music to be distributed as widely as we can possibly get it. A recording of the track has been released on Spotify for streaming and download, and the agency is talking with other opera and symphony companies globally to get them to play the piece as well. In addition, White Ribbon has released the sheet music to the public so other musicians can learn and play the track. Um, so this, this track was put together using science to essentially elicit emotions in men, utilizing certain like keys and notes and tones done through um, classical music. How do you guys feel about that? I think it's I I I think How it's do you feel amazing. It? I think it's fascinating, and I think it's I think it's likely highly effective. I think it's a little Black Mirror esque for me. And okay, all right, <laughs> let's break this down because uh, why? Uh, I I feel like so. Um, listen, uh, I my caveat to what I'm about to say is that number one, that stat about like 45 or 46 percent of men not feeling comfortable crying in front of. Uh, like their loved one, their partner. That's fucking bananas. Crazy. That's crazy. It's hard to wrap your head around. And um, as somebody who feels comfortable crying in front of, um, you know, my friends, family, partner, whoever, um, I if there's something that can help other people experience that and be able to have that release of natural release of emotion, I think it could be incredibly <laughs> valuable. That that's a caveat. The thing about this that makes me feel weird is that it is really like they've found this tone that can sort of manipulate how a person feels. But it's which is kind of fucking bananas, right? So 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 when I read this, it made me think about particular songs that have that effect with me. And Brian, I know you don't listen to music and don't watch and don't like movies or television, but Right. So this might be hard for you to wrap your pea brain around. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm very uncultured. Music, music. Um, you probably don't know this, but music. What is it again? Um, what is it, music? <laughs> you series know, of instruments that play in unison together to perform. Oftentimes, to, to vocals yeah. are are a part of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so which is people basically saying words, but uh, like at the same kind of like melody. Oh, as so a, like happy birthday would be music. That's a music. That is a music. That's yeah. yeah, I know so, that one. So there are songs that. I, there are songs, there is a, there's an entire album that I almost go out of my way to not listen to if I want to avoid being highly emotional. Like I know there's an album, there's a Jeff Buckley album that I know if I just decide to listen to a, one of those songs on that album or the entire, the album in its entirety, I am going to have a very like, um, se- very serious emotional. Isn't there release. a Jeff Buckley cover of like Hallelujah? That song in particular, yeah, I fucking hate that song. Destroys me. <laughs> really? Destroys me. No, I I hate it because it makes me feel such strong emotions. But I, yes, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So yes. so, so you know that this song. This, I I listened to this uh, this piece that White Ribbon put together, and um, it didn't it didn't have that same effect on me. But like, any another example was um, I feel like it's I feel like music is is unfortunately way too subjective of an experience 
for this to be as yeah for this to be as like for it to be widely widely accepted useful yeah. or but like that's but, 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 but that's my point about this thing is that so the same way that you might be served a Facebook ad and it might have no there's it might not speak to you at all even though you're the targeted audience the right interest group whatever you see a Facebook ad as you're scrolling through Facebook like I know you love doing all the time. You're just always on Facebook. Can't stop. And and you see this groups. ad and you just scroll by it, right? And it, it it didn't speak to you in the same way that the the creator of that ad intended for it to. But on a large scale, according to the data, statistically, that ad will influence many people to do something. In the same way that this piece of music likely will have that will effect. statistically yeah. be able to influence many people to feel a specific what I don't emotion, understand, which is Black Mirror esque to me. I don't know. I don't know about Black Mirror. I mean, Black, I mean, Black, like Black Mirror is usually uh, things that you're like, well, dystopian this technology. Isn't good. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. this is this is objectively Guys, a bad thing. And this yeah. is the first <laughs> like scene of nanobot that. bees. This is the just first fucking scene, basically killing all humans. That's this bad. is the first yeah. scene of that episode where the where the one person is. Like blowing the horn and saying, "Hey, this is bad. Look out!" <laughs> the, the thing that I, the thing that I'm, I think I'm failing to see, and maybe I'm just, maybe I, maybe I missed it there in your in in the synopsis of what is going on with this project. Um, but I, I, what I see as an issue with 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 men uh, having issues expressing emotion, it's not. The feeling, I, I, I'm not sure if men have a problem with feeling the emotions that they have. I think it's a, of, it's of expressing them. It's about letting them be visual, visualized on them for others to see. So how does this project well, allow I think it's, them I think to it, feel more, um, uh, more comfortable with showing those emotions that they feel outwardly. Well, to I others. think, I think strictly just through the, through the, it's an awareness campaign, right? Like that, this really is an awareness campaign to help stimulate. It's the same thing that November does like to help stimulate conversation. Yeah. And so to, you know, to a, to a man who someone is encouraging this person to be more open and vulnerable about their emotions. Like this is a, this is a launch pad for that. God, it's such a damn shame because, like, what you said there, Brian, at the very beginning, when you're like, I, I, "That's bananas!" Like, people not being comfortable. To, like, I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, I, I just feel like, I, th I, it's been my default mode most of my life, all of my life, really. So I don't. So it's very hard to try and wrap my head around the idea of feeling like I need to suppress the way that I feel to anybody, really, um, and. And I, and it really, but, but I can, but on that side of things, even though it's, even though it's been my default mode, I can very much put language to how useful and beneficial it is to express yourself and to express your emotions and to have, even though I have a very, very limited range of them, mm -hmm. like they're almost not even there. Not at all. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I wouldn't even use the word almost, but yeah, like sure. not, yeah, like, like not don't there. exist. A sliver yeah. of emotion that does exist yeah. within my meat vehicle. Man, your poor child. <laughs> I, I, I do. Just feel so bad. I can't express your it. I can't express it. Yeah. It's singular. I see. It took me a while to laugh at that because I wasn't sure if you were just being up, like finally honest and <laughs> and authentic with us about like that's why. Oh, I didn't. I didn't laugh, I didn't laugh the, at yeah. it because. It, 
Yeah, and that's then I, the that's the fact. Oh, then I guys. laughed because I wanted you to feel a little bit more comfortable, and you know, I, I, I also started to feel <laughs> awkward because hey, I thought he guys. was. Then I, then I was like, oh, he thinks it's funny, guys. I have <laughs> he's he thinks he's I joking. have a I have a I have an emotional range that is as diverse as the spectrum of light. <laughs> wow, and it and so some of them you c- can't even see with the human eye. That's how diverse my emotional spectrum. Your is. emotional spectrum is ten twenty, dude. <laughs> <laughs> see, my 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 emotional spectrum isn't really that diverse. It's just really intense. Guys, like it's I'm really a, intense. It's guys, I'm about to be a girl dad, and it is. <laughs> Fully, I'm fully embodied. You're gonna raise. You're gonna raise Canada's I'm first such a female giddy. serial killer. <laughs> no, no, dude, I am. I'm calling it right now, I folks. Am. By the age of 13, there's gonna be 17 dead cats in in his neighborhood, and they're all gonna be in his backyard. <laughs> you know, Jerry. Uh, no, uh, honestly, that would be true if if we weren't the uncles. You know, like if, that's true. Yeah, thank it, God, thank it, God for us. Yeah, God dude, for it us, takes yeah. a fucking village, guys. We know this. <laughs> um, but but do you, do you guys have do you guys have any music that that you know kind of elicits that same kind of like dude emotional response? Oh, yeah, sometimes because um, m- music does that. So music does that to me far easier, far quicker than any mm-hmm. book, any movie, any video game, like anything anything that I've any kind of media that I've ingested in in my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music by far is the one totally. that, that for me it's like it hits me harder. It's like Creed or like Puddle <laughs> of Mud. Yeah, <laughs> it's really like, you're like Default. <laughs> yeah, Theory of a Dead Man. Yeah, Nickelback. Nin, like a big Nin. I mean, fan. Nickelback's the more popular one that you don't really, but like Theory of a Dead Man. Obviously. Nin, yeah. dude, Nin. <laughs> Wait, Nin? What's, what's Nin? Oh, Nin, Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Nin just makes me horny. <laughs> Nin yeah, just makes me horny jams. for leather. Oh, yeah, juice and jams. Um, Slipknot and Corn are like for sure. I uh, like Andy. Slipknot actually and Corn do elicit emotions in me. Oh, I mean, yeah, very. I want to break. I want to break. Break. break, break yeah. I want to break your fucking face tonight, Limp Biscuit. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, Andy Schaff really does it for me. Yeah, Andy yeah. Schaff is very emotional for me. Um, Big Thief is another one for me. Big Thief. I've been really into Big Thief the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, Goo Goo Dolls. The last, last, the last time I I dosed uh, LSD, I was Matchbox Big, Twenty. Big Thief came on, and I had I totally broke down. Um, it was really, it was really intense. It's very for, beautiful for me. Um, uh, broken social scene, forgiveness rock record is for, like, yeah, broken social like, scene uh, for sure. Uh, or a like feel good loss. Um, like now is but, but hold not, on, is sorry. that is that emotion or is that just nostalgia? Sorry, no, not not emotion. It's a uh, it's a, a sorry an emotional stress stress relief is a uh, it's like right the so when I used to work um, and not not in this in nostalgia sense, but when I was working in Dubai and I was like working in events, which was can be very stressful. At the end of an event, when like you know my heart rate is high and like I'm just feeling totally like maxed out and like i have zero energy left listening to that putting those on your, your therapy and sitting back it's yeah. totally therapeutic yeah. and i get like that. and like crying in crying to it not in a not in like a sadness release but like in like a stress mm. relief yeah. like an emotional response to like joel plaskett also basically like being a lot. burnt out probably well let us know what yeah. what uh we'd love to know what music uh has this effect on you letters at sickboypodcast.com or you can leave a comment below if you're watching on youtube we'd love to hear it from you
Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um uh all right guys i i cannot contain my excitement about this next little bit um so a little birdie slid into my email inbox to inform me about a project that is taking part in uh in a school here in halifax uh armbre academy oh um this is the revamp of artzuka the live show? No, uh, no. this is not that. Um, uh, this is a pro- school project all about health um, and technology. And there is a young man named Jet. Yes? Jet. His name is Jet. And uh, Jet has type 1 diabetes. And so you would think that Jet would be like, well, I'm going to do my project um, on, on type 1 diabetes. Hey, maybe in five years he won't. Maybe he won't have diabetes. Mm. That's right. Maybe. Hard maybe. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Mm. Um, but uh, Jet, instead of doing a project on type 1 diabetes, he was he actually watched the Sick Boy documentary, uh, which you watch on CBC Gem right now. And uh, he was so inspired by it that he decided to do his project on cystic fibrosis. And it is an app that he created. So Jet is in grade 8. It's a grade 8 science class project. Uh, the email that I got... Uh, from our friend Andrew said, our little guy, this is from, this is from um, uh, Asif, which is Jet's dad. Okay, I just want to say, he's in grade eight. We can no longer refer to him as little guy or little man. Grade this eight? Is, this so is a... 14, 13? Uh, yeah, this is a, this cool kid. This, yeah. This, a cool guy. This cool guy. Uh, Jet, uh, his uh, father, he's fucking cool. His father reached out to say, our little guy... No, it's this that, cool guy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, I'll just edit the email that his father, yeah. this cool guy... Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his dad. Some prestigious guy sent an email saying, yeah, keep his going. Father. Yeah. His father. Uh, uh, our cool guy had to do a project for his grade eight science class, and they had to create something they thought would assist in a health-related topic. Hmm. Um, since he has type one, he's a type 1 diabetic, I thought he might choose that for a topic. But he was really intrigued by Jeremy's story after watching Sick Boy, and I think it moved him a lot, and he decided to try and create an app that would help CF patients. So... Here is the app, and we're going to put the link to the app in the show notes for anybody else who has CF or anyone who knows someone with CF, so you can send it to them. Guys, I found this thing fucking helpful immediately, especially now that I have Trikafta, because as you know, I have to take Trikafta twice a day in the morning and at night. I need 12 hours apart between taking them, uh, the pills, and, uh, and I need to take it with a meal. So here's the app. You can open it up on your phone. You've got alarms, survey, and breath. Oh, and the alarms yeah. feature, you can set an alarm for every minute, every nine minutes, every hour, every half hour. And the survey, this is great. It's got questions to ask yourself every day. So, you know, did you eat enough today? Or did you run out of meds? Are you, are you breathing okay? And then once you submit it, you get survey responses. So everybody else who's used the app, you can see what the answers are. And then there's this Breathe app. And again, we're watching this on YouTube. So if you want to see what it looks like, go over to YouTube, check it out. This one here is great. It reminds you to breathe 
And it's a little breathing exercise where you breathe in for six seconds, hold for six seconds, and breathe out for six seconds with this little set of lungs that are uh, pumping away to the breath. I fucking love this app, Jet. It's saved to my, to my home screen on my phone. I have a little button that I can press to bring it up. And congratulations, if your teacher does not give you an A+, and I was literally talking to your teacher today, Miss J, if she doesn't give you an A+, hit me up. <clears throat> and we'll do something about it. And yeah. we will fucking do something we'll about show it. Up, yeah. We'll show up in your class. We will literally we'll show do up. We will literally do, we'll we, do something about it. Yeah, yeah. we might. We, yeah, we'll. Yeah, we'll. Let, we'll light a bag of dog shit and leave it on Mrs. J's doorstep. Yeah, if she gives you an. A, a, and you an, can take that app. to the bank. Yeah, that's right. Have you guys ever done a flaming? Oh, bag yo, of dog shit? yeah, dude. Mm, no, I didn't. That was all. That was all we were doing. In I had a lot of. I had a lot of houses. Did that <laughs> a lot too. Yeah. So Jet, thank you for the app uh, to the to the grade eight students at Ombre Academy. Uh, I heard that a bunch of you made some really really cool stuff, and and your teacher. Uh, was so gracious to say that they they would send it my way. Um, thank you. That you're you're the fucking man. Uh, you're a cool guy. Cool and, guy. Uh, and congratulations on on something that for sure should get an A. And if it's not an A, you come fucking talk to me. Right? Yeah, you come talk <laughs> Also, ask if uh, his father was the uh, was the uh, amazing musician who composed music for the Sick Boy documentary. So thanks for that. I was going to say, uh, Jed, I do have some feedback though. Um, under the survey response you should also collect data like uh like sin numbers and and credit card numbers and stuff because mm -hmm. like that Dude, yeah honestly collect data yeah, yeah like collect like, data data sure, you, i mean location tracking is really the most money baby uh, yeah money, I, mean, baby. I mean but even more direct because like because it's really easy for you to mask as somebody who really cares like like you're making this health app for these people with cystic fibrosis to like yeah. be able to track their track their their disease and you know so yeah. you can like Get really, that data and then yeah. sell it, make bank, yeah, and fucking yeah, sell it to lap. insurance companies. Honestly, yeah, yeah. or lap, Cambridge lap. Analytica. I'm sure they're in yeah. the market because, yeah. like, if if they're if if you're filling out survey responses saying like my health is poor, it's in decline, then their insurance companies they can just up your premiums and stuff. Yeah, it's fucking good. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. listen, uh, wow. we got a, we got a few more things. We're, we're making this episode a little longer than than usual because, folks, the holidays are upon us. Omicron is coming in hot Omicron, and uh, so again. we're going to take a little holiday break um this will be the last feel good friday that we release until the new year so a uh, little bit longer than than usual um this next piece uh tay you kind of you brought this to us uh last <laughs> week we were talking about new zealand and they've been cracking down hard on the anti-smoking yeah um and there's some news coming out about uh about the tactics that they're using yeah this came out a couple of days ago and and I think this might have been uh what was it now I'm trying to think of what was there was a there was a pretty specific catalyst for to want to talk to um I'm blanking on the doc's name now the guy that we talked to from water from the University of Waterloo about uh, vaping um vape daddy. Vape, vape, vape daddy. Dr. Vape daddy. Dr. Yeah, Dr. Vape daddy, right. I think was his name. And um, I, I think it was actually prompted by this. So New Zealand is, New Zealand has some like really progressive, um, progressive and, and uh, quite intense aims to stop smoking uh, amongst their population. So um, they had aimed for a smoke-free society or they talked about having a smoke-free society by a certain point in the future um, and they just uh, they just passed legislation that is that is aimed at creating a smoke free generation by 2027, meaning that 
anybody born after 2008 will never be able to legally purchase cigarettes in New Zealand. Crazy. Whoa. Um, wow. And they're doing a bunch of stuff uh, on top of that. So the level of nicotine that's contained in cigarettes sold to people, sold to people who, who are of uh, legal age um, will be reduced. They didn't really give any numbers on like what it is and what it's going to, but the amount of nicotine in cigarettes is going to be reduced. So any, so any, any, any cigarettes that are like imported into New Zealand will have to be manufactured with a lower nicotine. That's pretty interesting because would that just make people smoke more? No, I think it, reducing the amount of nicotine that's a that's probably a complicated question i'm not sure yeah yeah i don't know um by 2024 the number of retail this is pretty this is really crazy because this is this is soon i mean this is in two years the number of retailers who can sell cigarettes will be reduced this is all in gradually reducing the amount of people that are smoking up until uh 2000 2027 where it will basically be illegal um it will be fully illegal to buy cigarettes so by 2024... So wait, in 2027, no matter when you were born, you it, just won't be able to buy cigarettes, period. Yeah, and I think it means that anybody born after 2008 would have never gotten to legal smoking age oh, yeah, before yeah, 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 it became yeah. illegal. Yeah, right, right. So, so you know what New I mean? Zealand, smoke them if you got them. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> by 2024, the number of retailers who can sell cigarettes will be reduced from 8,000 to 500. Wow. So like... Wow. I mean, think in about two years. You think about like how many liquor wow. stores there are in Halifax, but only two there's only like four sell wheat, sell cannabis. Yeah, right. Um, sort sort of similar to that, I guess. Um, Dude, whoever owns those businesses for that little period of time are going to be making bank. Well, yeah, and if it's re- and if it's regulated in a similar sort of way, at least in a similar sort of way that alcohol is to how it's regulated specifically here in Nova Scotia, it's all government run stuff. I'm not sure if that's how it works for cigarette right. sales or alcohol sales in New Zealand, but right. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Um, and this is all part of like a, of a really long term plan. Like it was in 2011 that they set a goal of reducing the rate of smoking to 5% by 2025. So they, they, they've, they've been looking at this for the last decade and trying to move towards um, reducing smoking. They're, they're pretty far off that goal. The, the rate of, of smoking in New Zealand is 13% which is down from 18% a decade ago when they made that drive, that goal of 5% by 2025. So they're quite a bit off pace. Um, they've only reduced it by 5% in, uh, in that decade. Um, in 2018, a law was passed requiring tobacco products. This is similar to Canada. Uh, a law was passed requiring tobacco products to be sold in dark brown and green colored packaging. There's probably some marketing science around that being undesirable colors for marketing. Kind of Black Mirror-esque, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and no company logos or imagery, uh, whereas like we have blatant like pictures of people dying on our on, yeah, on our really on our aggressive. on our smoking packages in Canada. Um, and the same font for all labels. Mm-hmm. That's been something that's been in effect since 2018. And there's crazy taxes, which is the same in here. As a, as I don't understand to, how that like makes any difference what you know the taxes like, no no the the like the the just like no name branding i think they're just trying to reduce the idea that um that, that I, I guess that, if like you can like, convince a consumer that a yeah, certain product is better like marlboro i guess like you know like yeah. the like yeah sure yeah, yeah i guess trying I, to I get, reduce the effect of marketing it. yeah, they, yeah that makes one sense. other thing they did here though is they um they're you're not allowed to display 
cigarettes anyway. That's right. So like that's yeah, they, they have to be kept up the asshole mm-hmm. of the of yeah. the person working on yeah. shift. Which and is they hard for them to keep a lot in stock. Only, well, yeah, you get there's right. a there's a limit of five. That's a Halifax thing. There's a limit of five packs of cigarettes yeah. per day. Which that's is why weird, they call them because they're darts. still because they're still. Um, they're still sharp edged, uh, um, rectangle, rectangle packaging, yeah. which is yeah. weird. Yeah. That's um, well, most people who own convenience stores for whatever reason, it's just like an anomaly. It's actually one of the, her, uh, traits that is easy, easy to tell if somebody is destined to, own yeah, a you, convenience yeah store. you need to have a rectangular anus. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Per- like a perfect rectangle. It's, yeah. yeah. So, um, interesting. Uh, I mentioned that already 13% of New Zealanders smoke down from 18% a decade ago. Uh, way off their target uh, of hitting 5% by 2025, yeah, but um, a way higher, a significantly higher uh, proportion of the Maori population smokes, which is 31% right. as opposed to 13% nationally of, of the whole population, mm-hmm. um, which is, I guess, probably pretty similar to Canada in the way that like there's a way higher smoking rate in Quebec in yeah, particular. Right. Like mm-hmm. Quebec, smoking in Quebec is like way, way high. Like, Orders of magnitude higher than anywhere else in. I wonder what the what the numbers Canada. are for like smoking in the, the indigenous population here in Canada. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's stats on it. Yeah. Um. No. So, oh, and the last thing is that there's no adoption of um of vaping from like a government right a policy standpoint. Where we've been to, seeing that a lot to here help in people the UK. quit. Yeah, it's uh, not like a harm reduction now, option for them. Now, I I am when it comes to like government regulation, I tend to be. I'm probably right down the middle. I'm probably pretty center on that. But well, we I, all know where you stand about the vaccines. So, yeah. <laughs> but and we don't have to get into that. <laughs> probably, actually, I don't podcast. think we've ever gotten to it on the show because, well, anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> I'm probably pretty a little right of center in terms of regulation. Um, and I definitely am in terms of uh, regulating substances because I think broadly that Banning a substance is really just uh, creates a. Well, I mean, a, look what a, happened with banning, you know, drugs like the war on yeah, drugs. That yeah. was that wasn't fucking yeah. good. I mean, I think that this is just going to um, open up an an unregulated market uh, of uh, black market of buying yeah. and selling cigarettes. Um, which is which in turn is going to you know I mean I don't know yeah. maybe not and people end up in jail but 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 it could it could I, it could lead that way. Yeah, I I. I tend to think less so with cigarettes. Like I, of course there will be some type of black market that exists. I just see it as being less like not as big as, as, as it would be for like, uh, alcohol or, or, um, drugs that can change. I don't know, man. People, can change your, people the way like, that you think. People like the cigarettes. I understand too, but it's, it's because it's such a, so think about the the way that smoking was popular in like the fifties and sixties and seventies, it was a it's a social thing and it's a culturally accepted thing. But as soon as it started to become less socially acceptable to smoke, there was a massive decrease in amount of people who took up smoking. Um, it was sort of different with drinking. Drinking when prohibition, um, when there's prohibition on alcohol. Drinking actually sort of became more popular in an underground scene, and that created this like massive black market for alcohol. But it also totally changes your your like it it has like and it's the most social drug known to man for all of 
humankind. Right. For so all of, for all of mankind's the, history. The thing I find interesting about smoking is that it doesn't like it doesn't have psychoactive properties. It's addictive um, without a doubt, but like it's hard to find somewhere to just like go and smoke in public if it's illegal. Like think about think about here when they when they tried to implement the smoking stations yeah, that around was the so city. Ridiculous. That was like, bad. I just I just listened to uh, I, I I was just listening today. I'm in the midst of it right now uh, to listen to a podcast um, by Peter Adia. Um, he's talking to a guy named David Nutt, which is a hilarious last name. Um, spelled with two T's. And they're talking about basically like the effects, the psychoactive effects of like a lot of psychedelics. Um, but also they go into like to talk about every drug. And they also talk <laughs> about the discrepancy between what the drug actually does and the harm that it causes and how governments regulate it and mm. put a severity and how there's usually a mismatch between what the drug mm. actually does and what they, yeah. Like when, when weed was schedule one, right. Right. It's like totally insane. Yeah. Like makes mm. no, no, there's nothing based in evidence on it. Yeah. And, uh, and right at the very beginning of that podcast, they pretty early on, they go into, they go into like tobacco use and alcohol use and the way in which they've, they are so like entrenched in our like cultural and social sort of, use uh, of them that um that there's like a rating of how harmful they they have a they have a an analysis like a 16 point analysis on how harmful something is to the user and also how harmful something is to society because of a user taking it Mm. so they talked about how alcohol is like by far the most destructive substance because it doesn't it doesn't only hurt the user of the thing it hurts it has a really big social impact. And then like some other drugs that, you know, really hurt the user, but don't have like a big social impact because, because they're, it's not like, it's not regulated like alcohol is and used as a social thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't really know what I'm saying about that other than, other than I, I know what you mean. Like, I think that there is a difference because cigarettes aren't like a, like when prohibition's on with alcohol, you wanted to gather and go somewhere and drink with people. But like, I don't think people are going to want to like gather around and go smoke, smoke cigarettes. Right. Together yeah. Somewhere. That, yeah. That's but, what I find is really hard to imagine. Like it's hard to imagine the attraction to go and get cigarettes, especially for, for kids, because like a lot of these bad habits start, they form as kids when, yeah. when you're kids. Right. So it's hard to imagine kids getting together and being like, Man, let's oh really? Go get some of these. That's cigarettes. hard to imagine. It's funny yeah. because we about uh, forty five minutes ago we were talking about kids gathering to <laughs> knock each other out by sitting on each other's chest. That's because it fucks you up and creates this like altered state of consciousness. Yeah, but where nicotine does that too in not a sense. In the same, but it gives you this. Way. It does give you a high. I mean, guy, I'm on it right now. Like I'm, I, I'm stoked right now. I'm on nicotine now. But it's to me, it's more more so like uh, like because we we're we we're having this conversation briefly the other day. But like what's comparable to to like banning banning cigarettes. The reason why cigarettes are being banned is not because they alter your state of consciousness and make you go and do fucking crazy no, shit. It's they're they banned because they're bad for you. Yeah. They're bad for you and they kill you. And so what is what other things in society are banned or not allowed purely for the fact that they will negatively impact your health? Yeah. Like also, Jer, I don't think hard. they're banning tobacco products. I think there's, I think it's a specific cigarette. Ban. Yes, yeah, right. right. So, so <laughs> the the thing that, um, like, when I'm thinking of that question, I'm trying. I I haven't been able to think of something else that has ever been banned that is just purely just bad for you, and they're yeah. telling you you can't have this. But I mean, it would be I sort mean, of, it's not not banned, but like you know, you we've seen like schools 
eliminate soft drinks. You're like you like you go to a school, you can't get a Coke at school now. Like, well, I was kind of thinking like the only other thing. Like when that I was would, going to school, it was like a Coke a Pepsi yeah. machine in the fucking hallway. Yeah. Like the only thing that would be comparable is fast foods or sugary foods would be like the and they're obviously not banned, but like imagine they started enforcing laws where uh McDonald's was no longer allowed to make tasty fast food. It had to taste like shit because it's bad for you. So you're not allowed to like like you're not allowed to sell flavored tobacco because that will get people hooked on this. So yeah, yeah. You're no longer allowed I mean, to make tasty much, fast food. It's pretty food. much salt. Like, right. Yeah. Basically salt. Like salt in fast food is like the nicotine equivalent mm, in, yeah. in cigarettes. Uh, it yeah. is interesting. Sort of. It is yeah. really interesting because, I mean, it, like I agree with you on yeah. government regulation, Taylor. I'm probably in, roughly in the same spot. But, yeah, this feels like, to me, it feels like a pretty good I idea. Mean, I mean, I, I, I am probably a pretty good example of uh, of of somebody who would, if I was in a society where it was allowed and then it was just all of a sudden not allowed, that I would go, ah, it's too much of a hassle for me now. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I, I didn't have any snooze left and then you got a, a, a you got an order from fucking, you know, Denmark or Sweden or wherever it's coming yeah. from and I was like, oh, can I have one? And you were like, ah, I didn't get enough. And, I, and you were like, order some. And I was like, eh. Yeah, right, right. And so, like, you know, I mean, fuck, that's like three clicks away. It is on so the easy. Internet. Yeah, it's so easy. But, it, but just because it, you didn't hand it to me, yeah. I was like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. That's, a little, that's a little bit further yeah. of a way around than well, I'd like I, to go. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens in New Zealand. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, like five, six, seven years out from here yeah. what, uh, what the, the scene will be. Um, here, let's get to some silly shit, some uh, silly COVID shit. Uh, last week we talked about the guy in our ding dong of the week. We talked about the guy that had the fake arm, um, man, there's, there, there is so much of this shit going around now. Uh, anti-vaxxers attempt to bribe doctors for real, for, for a fake vaccine, but end up with the real thing. So this is from Unilad. <laughs> anti-vaxxers have reportedly been tricked into receiving the real vaccine after they tried to bribe doctors for a fake one. Fake coronavirus vaccines have reportedly been taking place across Greece at dozens of vaccination centers as anti-vaxxers seek to participate in activities usually restricted to those who, have, who are vaccinated or look to avoid the twice-weekly tests. <laughs> the fake vaccinations are said to cost 400 euros. Uh, however, upon being paid to inject anti-vaxxers with water, Doctors have been administering the real vaccine over fears of being caught by authorities. Yeah, because like also why not? Since there's like since a ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance that they'll just be fucking vaccinated yeah. and now, we'll never know the difference. Now, now <laughs> I I mean yes, but also um, kind of a sticky situation because you're you're you're. The person's going, I want you to inject me, but I want you to inject me with water. And the doctors are going, yes, got you. And then they inject them with uh, a vaccine. I mean, you're technically giving someone a, you're technically giving someone a treatment without their consent. Yeah, but how are you, but I think that gets thrown out the window. going to prove that in court? Well, well, now that it's in the news, you know, now that people have been getting caught and finding out, right? So some members of the public have wanted to receive the fake vaccine in order to be free uh, to perform certain activities which require vaccine passports. Others have decided to pay for it to prevent them from having to perform twice-weekly rapid tests. However, according to Mega TV in Greece, upon talking uh, talking the 
bribe payment docked upon talking. This is this has got to be a typo. Upon talking, the bribe payment doctors have still injected some anti-vaxxers with the real vaccinations over fear of getting caught. Out of the 2,000 vaccine centers in Greece, it is anticipated that between 100 to 200 and 200 to 300 doctors and nurses have been involved in the scandal. It's estimated that illegal methods have been used to obtain fax vaccination certificates by more than 100,000 citizens. Whoa. Despite the irony of the anti-vaxxers having been vaccinated, the issue is morally complex. While anti-vaxxers are now protected from coronavirus, uh, the doctors administered the injection without their consent, and legal action could subsequently be pursued by the anti-vaxxers. However, they would have to admit to bribery, making any possible case unlikely. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that, and, and the doctor is the doctors who are doing that are probably just they're just weighing relative risk and going, yeah. you know, what's what's worse that I give somebody something that they didn't give me consent for this vaccine that is statistically harmless. Now, if the doctor keeps the money. Then what happens if they can uh, prove it? That's yeah, I don't right. Know. Does they, that, that does that that I feel like that it's, also it's, it's like, almost impossible because there's likely no written proof that. The doctor yeah, accepted not. the the bribe by unless saying it was, like, unless it, it was e transferred. Even if or it was e, even if it was e transferred well, or Venmo, yeah, like it, it has to. It would d- have to have the message saying, yeah. and then like in the message, like you are accepting that vaccine. this is a maybe bribe they should for the do it all vaccine. via crypto. Maybe yeah. that's the maybe that's the <laughs> ticket. Yes, you know, for the yeah. doctors, anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to include that in Ding Dong of the Week, but um, did you hear about the guy who was getting vaccinated on behalf of other people? Well, let me get to Ding Dong of the Week, uh, our, <laughs> our new segment uh, that we are, uh, we are bringing to the show. Um, so Charles uh, sent an email to us. Thank you, Charles. Um, and actually, we had a number of people send messages with the Ding Dong of the Week potentials. Um, had to sift through a bunch of them to get to two really great ones. Uh, but both of these come from Charles. Uh, this is from the Daily Mail. So we'll start with this one. This came out last week. I heard this on last podcast on the left and it made me laugh. Um, army bomb squad technicians were sent to a hospital after a man arrived in, um, in casualty with a world war two anti-tank shell lodged up his ass. Oh yeah. So medics called for specialist support after the man presented in the accident and emergency unit of the Gloucestershire Royal hospital in Gloucester. Gloucester, uh, when he could not remove the 57 millimeter shell, the Gloucester. military collector claimed. So this guy was a military collector claimed he, the armor piercing munition was from his private arsenal. It was from his dude. It was up his, it was up his private arsenal. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. He told uh, medics, uh, that the 80 year old explosive device became lodged after he tripped and fell awkwardly. Dude, why bother <laughs> saying something that dumb a source told the son the guy said he found the shell when he was having a clear out of his stuff quote he said he put it on the floor and then he slipped and fell on it and it went up his ass quote he was in considerable amount of pain i think he collected military memorabilia hold on did he slip and fall on it after he had accidentally pulled his pants down uh well (laughs) yes we'll never know or did it 
protrude through his pants and is there visual evidence of that because that's the only way in which i could ever believe that well i think what happened here was that he didn't slip and fall and he just shoved it way up his ass yeah definitely <laughs> he um, could have been naked but the best part why about would this he be is naked the best because part about men you'd never like done stuff around your house yeah, you don't like you some... don't do a big clear out with your balls out <laughs> i don't clear out with no clothes on oh it's my favorite pastime um but high risk high risk as uh, is evident. <laughs> uh, so the best part about this, police were called to the hospital, as were the bo- uh, the army bomb squad. Because of the risk of it going off? Or? Yeah. A second source told The Sun, quote, it was a solid shot round. It was chunky, pointed lump of lead des- designed to rip through tanks armor. It was basically an inert lump of metal. So there was no risk to life, at least not to anyone else's. But the, they didn't, the hospital didn't know that. They right, were like, right, right. there's a fucking bomb up his ass. Like, get the fucking army bomb squad up in here to... Defuse this bomb up this guy's ass. Dude, this is, there's just no end to what people just want to shove up their ass. You think they called the army and were like, hey, we need you to come in here and defuse this situation? (laughs) I hope. I'm a, I'm a dad to be and I disapprove. (laughs) So that was, that was ding dong number one. And again, uh, if you guys forget how this works, I give you two ding dongs and you have to decide which one's ding dong of the week. Okay. Okay. Uh, this next one's from Insider. A man is accused of running a fraudulent vaccination by proxy scheme. He was uh, paid to take up to 10 COVID-19 shots a day for other people. <laughs> oh, dude, that can't be good. I like this guy. That so this guy good. is doing this out of uh, protest of the whole smoking thing in New Zealand. Uh, a man in New Zealand who is accused of running a fraudulent vaccination by proxy scheme is currently under investigation by the country's Ministry of Health. Uh, he received up to 10 COVID shots in a single day on behalf of other people as a part of the scheme. The man is accused of being hired by, by and taking payments from those seeking to falsely falsify their vaccine, vaccine records in order to be afforded the freedoms granted to those who are vaccinated. In New Zealand, The Guardian said, unvaccinated people face restrictions on gathering sizes and entering hospitality businesses, like most places. Um, those who have had their shots, on the other hand, are able to do that shit without any problems. The man is believed to have visited several vaccination centers as a part of the scheme. Stuff New Zealand reported, uh, the locations of these centers have not been disclosed. Per the New Zealand Herald, Astrid Kumneef, the country's group manager of operations for the COVID-19 vaccine and immunization program, said that the Ministry of Health is aware of the issue. Quote, we are very concerned about this situation and are working with the appropriate agencies. Corneef uh, told Newsweek in a statement that those who had had more shots than recommended in a single day to, quote, seek clinical advice as soon as possible. This is not a safe thing to do. This is putting a person at risk. Auckland University professor Nikki Turner, medical director of the Immunization Authority Center, Advisory Center, told Stuff. I I mean, that can't be good. No. So, like, personal opinion, this guy is clearly ding-dong of the week. Because putting something up your ass, you can find out what the adverse effects are going to be of that. You can go on the internet and go, how big of a thing should I put up my ass? And if I put something too big up my ass, what is the risk? And the internet will provide. If you go, what happens if I take 10 COVID vaccines in a day? It's going to go, I don't know. Dude, how severe were, were the, were, did he, like how, you know, like, I, like I felt like shit after one. Oh my God, dude. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe he just takes it really well. Isn't it kind of, is, it, is that not proof like the guy for anti-vaxxers like the guy that it's with safe the to take? Shell. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. 
Like, th- dude, like that's, if, dude, they're not thinking on that. They, type of they're not thinking that much. There's no, not, not. There's way too much rationality they're, in yeah. that. It's a bit too <laughs> too much thinking for them on that one. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Who's Ding Dong of the Week? Oh, for sure the uh, for sure the Vax guy yeah. because uh, the because there's no pleasure in yeah. getting vaccinated that many times. Totally. If that's your thing, putting tank shells up your butthole, like, hey. I mean, to each their own. Like, you, I mean, maybe you pushed it a little bit too far, but like, I mean, technically, the taxpayers are paying for the for to get it taken out. Yeah, like, and and uh, and honestly, um, the only thing I would say about the tank shell guy or the munitions guy is like, is like, just just tell okay. the truth. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, like, you're shoving, yeah. you're shoving like, weapons up your ass. Yeah, clearly. Be, like, own it. Like, don't be ashamed yeah. of of what you're into. Slipped and fell. Um, but yeah, ding dong of the week, definitely the vax guy. All right. Definitely. Well, if you want to submit uh, Ding Dong of the Week for the new year, keep your eyes on the news. I'm sure there's lots of Ding Dongs who fall into that anti-vax territory that uh, we can keep covering. Was he just doing it for the money? Yeah. Was it just a money thing? Yeah. He was just like, oh, they're going to pay me to take vaccines. Yep. And- yeah. So he wasn't like... Can you in- imagine if he was like, I'm the, I'm the anti-vaxxer martyr? Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Yeah, Maybe yeah. he was like, for the for you know for my, all my brethren out there. No, he saw, he saw take, a gap. He I'm saw a gap in the market the and was like... So he's an entrepreneur. Some money, yeah. Um, uh, listen, uh, I got one last letter here uh, before we wrap, and this is actually a letter from Yanya Yanya Lalik, who we had on the show uh, all about cults. Dude, I'm watching the vow right now, and I'm going, wow, I, because and I'm I feel so informed by that yeah. conversation because Kyla's going, how the fuck are they doing? And I go, yeah, have you listened to the episode with Yanya? Yeah. And she goes, no. And I go, love well, bombing. Well, she. We'll tell you yeah. why these people are up to this. So, uh, so Yanya and her partners are up to a new project that she wanted to let our listeners know about uh, because uh, they feel like this could be valuable for some people out there and, and hopefully uh, putting this out there might, might help. Um, it's called Take Back Your Life Recovery, which is all about recovering from cults, coercion, and abusive relationships. Uh, the email says, I hope this finds you well. Um, in the time since we last spoke for sick boy, my colleagues, Beth, Sally, and I have begun an endeavor that may be of interest to you and your audience. Take back your life recovery is a website and a series of courses, which provide support and help for survivors of cultic groups and narcissistic systems, as well as information for therapists and family members. Each course is a series of weekly two hour zoom conversations led and moderated by us covering topics like post-cult adjustment, understanding coercive control, recognizing healing from trauma, issues of fear and trust, and much more. The website has all the pertinent information about course descriptions, dates, and how to register. As survivors of cultic systems and trained professionals, Beth, Sally, and I personally understand the importance of safe and effective interventions for healing. We are excited to share these resources with the survivor community and professional community, to provide access to the knowledge and skills that will help survivors navigate their recovery and lead a trauma-free life. Uh, and the website for folks that are interested is www.tbylr.com. That's tbylr.com, which stands for Take Back Your Life Recovery. Uh, so if you think that would be of help to you or somebody that you know, especially in these weird times where mm. we're seeing a lot of people being sucked up by these coercive narcissistic uh, groups 
than uh, tbylr.com. I actually, I wrote Yanya and said um, that website actually sucks, that address. And I recommended uh, wehatecults.com. And so wehatecults.me and it is available. Yeah. Uh, the domain is only 39 cents. <laughs> they might do a redirect from that. So um, try it. Folks, have a happy holiday. Uh, 2021. See you next year. Has been, uh, it's been, a, it's been a wild year. Uh, you know, a lot has happened for us this year. Uh, coming into this studio has been a big one for us. And uh, none of this would be possible if it wasn't for folks like you. Thank you so much. And if you want to continue to support the podcast in the coming years, we would really appreciate it. You can do that by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating or review. Not, not too hard. Uh, you can hit follow on Spotify. Or, of course, you can check us out on YouTube every Friday um, for these, these Feel Good Friday episodes. And you can watch us fuck around and leave comments below and Make sure you subscribe over there. Uh, even bigger thank you to our patrons. Uh, we cannot wait to see you tomorrow night as of recording this for our last Patreon live stream of the year. We've got an amazing guest lined up and, uh, and we do these Patreon live shows um, once a month and they've been really, 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 really fucking fun. Um, and then to, uh, to our patrons who are joining us on these um, uh, monthly hangouts, uh, we can't wait for the next one which is coming at you in 2022. And uh, we heard a couple great letters today, mm -hmm. and those were sent via letters at sickboypodcast.com. So if you want to reach out, let us know about something going on with you, tell us a nice story, tell us a horrible, crazy story that you just want to share with us, or maybe we'll read it on the show. You can do that, letters at sickboypodcast.com. Uh, and if you want to be a guest on the show, sickboypodcast.com slash contact, fill out the guest form on the show and a huge thank you to the folks that make this show happen thanks to jeff lonis uh guys i love doing this with you uh richard coin thanks for the theme music take part for the music on mondays and donovan the meerkat c pat morgan for the sound design he also does on the monday shows uh we love you all and merry christmas that is it for this year i'm brian i'm taylor and i'm jeremy and this is sick boy i say happy holidays For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.